Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Founder, CEO of iSocial Fans, a millennial keynote speaker, and all that jazz. And I'm excited. This is episode number 44. That's two fours. If you're a poker player, that's sailboats in poker terms when you peel back and you get two fours uh, in poker. But today we're talking how to get leadership buy in on change. So if it's from De- developing a new strategy for your for your group. Maybe it's using a new uh, technology like a podcast or a live video, or maybe a Snapchat campaign, or maybe it's you know implementing a new tool within your organization like Google Docs or Slack or one of those type of tools. So we're going to talk a little bit about change. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I've failed at doing when it comes to getting leadership buy-in, what I I found very successful, and then some uh, examples of success. But before we get in there, I got a couple uh, notes because, you know, Nine Spokes, my friends over at Nine Spokes have been sponsoring this podcast the last couple days, or last couple days, the last couple um, months, and not only excited that they are on board, but I'm truly excited to uh, you know, know that some of you listeners are are finding some you know great value with their tool, and so I want to give a shout out to probably one of the best tweets that a brand that is sponsoring a podcast could probably ever get. And uh, this is Lauren Kramer, and she's more than words LK on Twitter. So more than words LK on Twitter. She retweeted or quote retweeted uh, the other day on the 27th of July, and she said, "I love Nine Spokes. It has truly." revolutionized my business. Thank you, iSocial fans, for sharing this awesome tool on your podcast. So Lauren, uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for supporting the my podcast sponsors by signing up for their tool. And I'm super excited. You know, if I put my name behind a tool, it's because I believe the tool has value for you guys, the listeners. And so if you guys want to jump in on this tool, I mean, you don't want to take my uh, words because, of course, they're sponsoring my show. If you want to you know, now listen to, to Lauren's recommendation for Nine Spokes, uh, go ahead to just type in your browser, ninespokes.fomofans, with a Z at the end, dot live. So ninespokes.fomofans.live. Or check out the show notes with this podcast episode. I'll make sure to have a link on there. And just for those that maybe hadn't heard of Nine Spokes and you're wondering what it was that revolutionized her business, what Nine Spokes does is it allows you to have a single view in one dashboard of all of your cloud-based apps and all of the data that's going on across things from finance to, you know, to social media, to marketing, to even some of the things that are going on within your CRM system. And it truly does kind of bring all of those things into one view, giving you easy access and great business insights. So check them out, ninespokes.fomofans.live. Uh, truly, uh, I'm thankful for their sponsorship. And uh, I love that you guys, my listeners like Lauren, uh, are finding tremendous value in their tool and in what uh, they kind of have going on. So guys, uh, make sure to check them out. The other exciting news before we get into the topic is that the video portion of this show, for those that are listening, you've heard it every week, 
I live stream this show on Facebook Live as well as Periscope so that people can, can participate in the show. I see your comments. Uh, you know, I see Terry is watching here uh, on Facebook. I see Rachel out there on Facebook. I see Dewey over there on Periscope. Uh, I got a couple other people here on Periscope watching live. Uh, love the audience. You know, a couple hundred people watch every week uh, live. And one of the things I love about video is it's, it gives people a, another opportunity or another vehicle or medium to consume the content. And I was humbled uh, when uh, C-Suite TV, so C-SuiteTV.com, uh, owned by Jeffrey Hazlitt, a, a, a staple in digital uh, programming, they reached out to me and asked if, if they could syndicate the video episodes of this show, FOMO Fans. So now, officially, FOMO Fans is part of the C-Suite TV uh, network of programming. Lots of great shows going on there, uh, from podcasts to videos to um, some great book interviews. So if you go to csuitetv.com slash shows slash FOMO fans, you'll be able to check it out. Or just go to csuitetv.com and search FOMO fans in the top right corner. You will now be seeing the video portion of this broadcast of this show will be syndicated there on C-Suite TV. I, I'm truly excited and blessed that they want to have me on board. So now that we got all of that out of out of the way, and apparently Periscope was playing on my phone for some reason, um, we're going to talk a little bit about leadership buy-in on change. And you know, I introduce myself as a change evangelist, which really is just a fancy way of saying I I've had a lot of change in my business, in my life, in my career, in my path towards success. And I really enjoy the change. I enjoy learning new tools. I, learn, I love new policies, new technologies. I love that you know, five years ago, if you would have said that there would be a, a, a live portion of a podcast, you would have said they're crazy. And if you would have said three years ago that you'd be able to do a, a live video of a podcast and get sponsorship and syndication of that podcast, people would say you're crazy. And so when you're looking at change, and especially today's day and age, the rate of change is, is really like nothing we've ever seen before. You know, if you look at companies, you know, they, they come and go very quickly. But even look at Tesla. Tesla 3 uh, rolled off the, the, their first 30 cars off the market. And the Tesla, the, the inside of the car, really what Elon Musk is doing with the Tesla as a whole is completely transforming how we think about cars, how we purchase cars. Um, even if, you, if you've seen the pictures, the dashboard has got rid of all of the gears. It's got rid of all of the things around uh, the, the, the actual steering wheel of your car. And it's now just a, a big LCD uh, display uh, in the middle of your uh, car. And, and we're going to see a lot of other car manufacturers uh, jump on the same bandwagon. We're quickly going to see the, the, the transformation of the inside of a car uh, completely shift. And I, and I would say in a couple of years, probably two to three years, we won't see any new cars coming out without having just a digital display um, for, you know, for numerous reasons, because we don't know what things are going to change. Being able to actually do software updates and change what's displayed on your screen, it adds for personalization. I mean, let's face it. I mean, as simple as it sounds, what if you were driving a car and you wanted to move the speedometer from the top left of your dashboard to the top right of your dashboard because you just like to see the speedometer on the right-hand side? Well, that sounds like craziness, right? We've never had that opportunity. Well, now with the change with cars like Tesla and what Tesla is doing, we're going to be able to customize our dashboard, our display. And so that kind of change is, 
is exciting, but I also know it's scary. And one of the things, not only is it scary, but when you are a change agent or you're trying to help facilitate change, for so many people, it's a scary process. It's a very hard process. And oftentimes, the first answer, no matter how good you are at presenting your, your case for change, your first answer is almost always no. And I can tell you, if your first answer is yes, you're probably not doing much change as a whole. And that's just my, my personal opinion because you know change, it's not always disrupting, right? You don't have to invent something new. You don't have to destroy what you've already had. But change, you know, change in the, in the sense of understanding how you're going to move forward, it does require you know, uh, a new look on processes, uh, asking new questions, ultimately questioning why you've done certain things already. And to me, this is, you know, I get to speak around the world and I talk about live video, I talk about storytelling, I talk about the millennial mindset, but the underlying principle of all that I talk about is understanding the value of change, understanding how to get buy-in of change, and then how to get actual, to keep change sustainable. Because, you know, I talk about this in influencer marketing a lot as well, is that, you know, anybody can get a one night stand as an influencer. But if you are good at presenting your case as an influencer, you can show them the data, you can, you can make sure that you hit the, the points that they want, they will call you back the next day. And the same thing goes with change because forcing and driving a change initiative is, is, is possible and it's very exciting. But if you're not able to actually drive change to where it actually shows results and it's sustainable over a long period of time, ultimately your change is wasting and it probably adds more steps and causes more harm than good. And I think that's probably where I want to start this conversation out on is that, you know, change for change's sake is stupid, right? The, the idea that we, even changing for because, hey, we, we, need to, we need to add technology to this process. And all of a sudden we add technology to this process and the process now takes more time, more steps, and we get no new benefits. That's stupid change. And I think... For a lot of businesses, they've implemented lots of stupid change and now are almost change, you know, are so scared of change that their first answer is always going to be no. I don't want to change. Don't tell me about the new uh, social network. Don't tell me about this. Don't tell me about that. But here's the, here's the truth is if the change is, is aligned with your business goals and is driven by your customer demand or your community, i.e. your employees or your customers, you can't stop change. Change is going to happen if you like it or not. The question you have to ask yourself is, do you help drive change and shape what that change is going to look like? Or do you let change run you over and you become the byproduct of the first person that's looking for a new job saying, I had no idea that social media wasn't a passing fad, or I had no idea that we need to take a more video approach to our marketing, or... I had no idea that I should start migrating my apps to the cloud when cloud technology was moving forward. And these are big examples, but we have to kind of break down change into a couple different variables. But one of my favorite ways to think about change really starts with something my dad told me a long time ago. And my dad would always tell me, you know, he's like, hey son, just remember, you know, make sure you're making your manager look good. Let me repeat that. Son, make sure that you're making your manager look good. 
So it's not just the idea that I was working hard in my, in my job. It wasn't just the fact that I was good at what I did, but I also had to understand that it's important to make sure that you not only make your manager look good, but it's how your manager understands what you're doing, right? If your manager is looking good, your manager is, is being seen as someone that is doing good things, and you're a part of that, it is a great way to get noticed. It's a great way to build trust and authority, not only with your manager, but with future managers. Because here's a weird thing in my career. Um, the, the three people that have hired me into business roles within an enterprise company, all three of them ended up reporting to me or in my hierarchy structure at some point down the road. So someone hired me, I reported directly to them. I then got promoted and became one of their equals. I then got promoted and, and became uh, you know, a, a, a higher person in the uh, totem pole, not saying that they were directly reporting to me, but for me, it, it, it's about not only establishing trust and authority, but don't you, when you become a manager, want the people that work for you to do good work and help you look good? And when you're looking at change, when you're buying into change, and you want your manager to listen to you, the first thing you should do is you should write down a list of everything that your manager, all the pain points your manager has, everything that worries your manager, all the things your manager wished was happening either within your team, within your project, maybe even within their personal life. You know, think about all of the pain points your manager has. Think about all the things they wish they could accomplish. And then when you start looking at your change and you start thinking, okay, I really want my manager to listen to me. I really want him to see that I, I know what I'm talking about and embrace this new tool or embrace this, this new way of doing time cards or this new way of organizing an Excel spreadsheet. The interesting thing here is if you don't start with change, if you start by actually solving one of your manager's problems, if you start by addressing and saying, hey, I know that you know, you've really been you know, looking for ways for us to shorten our meetings that we have online. I was wondering maybe if we went to a, you know, we, we started passing out the agenda early and I'll take on that responsibility. I will, I will type up the agenda and get it out to our team. Maybe that'll shorten our meetings. Well, first of all, your manager's gonna be like, well, you know, good job thinking about that. I'm so glad, you know, maybe I didn't think of that. And thank you for stepping up, right? Thank you for not just giving me an idea, but giving me an idea and then taking responsibility to help make that idea a reality, right? And that's, that's the mindset here. But the, the funny part about that is there's two ways that that really helps you. One, you just, you just bought goodwill with that manager. Two, you're gonna be able to prove the value of what, of a recommendation that you give. So, all of a sudden, those meetings start becoming shorter, the manager's happier, things are more productive. That manager is gonna see that, hey, listening to you, listening to Brian, and I took his advice and he, he ran with something, it, it actually improved. He did what he said he was gonna do. And it really doesn't even have to succeed. I just have to hold up my end of the bargain. Because the next time I go in to present that manager with that change, with that real big idea that I wanted, when I start that conversation and say, hey, I know that you know, um, you're excited about our meetings and, and the buy-in that we were able to get, and now our, our meetings are shorter, you know, I, have an, I have another idea that I really want to present to you. The first thing that's going to be chalked in their head was, oh yeah, that, that idea was his, and it worked really well. I wonder what other exciting ideas he has. 
Think about that. When you're talking about change, when you're shifting the mindset, when you're asking somebody to redo or reinvent the way that they execute something, if you're able to start the conversation where they're excited to hear what you have to say, you've already won. You're already one step closer to that change actually happening. And it's amazing for me how many people tell me, Brian, I did all this research, I put together this amazing PowerPoint deck, I, I did all of this you know, data, I understood all of these things, and I went into my manager and said, hey manager, you need to listen to me. I have this great idea, it's gonna change the way we do our, our time, you know, time reporting within our team. And the manager said, sorry, I don't have time for that kind of stuff. You know, work on the stuff that you're getting paid for. I don't have time for that. And they're like, wait a second, Brian. I did all this work. I presented all this case. I got all this information. Here's the thing. Every time you are presenting change or presenting an idea that is disruptive, you must win that conversation. You must win that meeting before the meeting ever starts. And what I mean by that is you must be able to have already established credibility. You must already have figured out what questions they're going to ask. You need to have already built authority and had kind of proven track results because some of the greatest change could have happened in organizations. Unfortunately, you never even get a chance to present your change because you didn't win that conversation before it started. And so that's kind of my, I think my big picture advice when you're, when you're thinking about a great idea, like, hey, I want to pitch you know, my company on starting a Snapchat campaign about our, our company. And I know that Cisco does it a great job. It's called We Are Cisco. And I want my company to do that. And I'm going to start doing this research. One of the things that you need to think about from that marketing manager that you're going to present this to is, A, does that Snapchat campaign help them accomplish any of their already pre-existing goals or strategies or business objectives? If it doesn't, <laughs> it's going to be even harder to sell. But you're going to start there, and then you're going to want to say, what are some of the things that I know that I can get by and that I can help execute on today so that when I present them that change tomorrow, they have already seen the value that I provide? And sometimes that can be something as simple as you know, taking on a new responsibility or going above and beyond, staying a couple extra hours late. Because if you truly believe in the change that you're selling, this change must must be a full-time solution. This isn't something fly-by-night where you send via email and you get mad because change is hard, change is scary, but change also needs to be delivered in the manner that is given the respect. Because if you guys listened to one of my episodes uh, on this show uh, a couple of weeks back, maybe about a month ago, one of the titles of the episode was Respect Your Elders. And it was a, a very rant post towards my fellow millennials, my fellow uh, you know, Gen Zers, where so many times we want to we want to change the way we want to disrupt the status quo and we want to come into a business and do all of this amazing things but we don't we don't do it in a respectful manner and there is a big difference between gaining respect and saying yes and doing everything your elder says right and i want to put this clear because it's the same thing with making your manager look good making your manager look good does not mean you have to do everything that they say and they're always right what it means is you have to think strategically about what's most valuable to them, help them accomplish that so they can associate you with a good feeling, a good result, a positive outcome, and then come back to them with something that might cause some drastic pain points and might cause them to redo an organization or redo a process or maybe even spend money that they didn't have planned to spend. 
And I'm gonna give you a great example of this. And for me, this was huge. You know, I worked for the Department of Defense. And I know Joel and Bruce, uh, two of my old managers, they listen to this podcast. So shout out to Joel Andrews and Bruce Tebow, um, my former managers at uh, BAE Systems. Both of them um, really did a lot to help me uh, you know, shape my, uh, my managerial thoughts and, and how I looked at leadership, uh, as well as Nate Moore. And I've been very blessed. I've, I've yet to have a bad manager um, in any company I've worked for, anybody that I've uh, had direct uh, you know, reporting into as a business. But you know, something that you know, Joel and, and Bruce, we were, we were teaching a, a course that was a four-day course. And we would send these laptops to these different military bases around the world, from Afghanistan to Iraq, to Germany, to Kuwait, to Seoul, Korea. And we would send these, these cases of laptops to the, the military base ahead of time. And then we would fly in and we would set up these laptops in the room and get them all set up. And then we would teach the course on the laptops Tuesday through Friday. And then on Friday, we would reverse the images back to blanking out the laptops. We would box them all up and we would send them on to the next location. And this was a very, um, you know, let's say very innovative uh, process um, at the time. Because remember, this is 2004 through 2007 or 2005. Uh, through 2009, like in that um, area. And so this was a, this was a, a big uh, endeavor that we took on. It was very expensive. We had to ship these laptops. They were paying for our courses. We, we, uh, we shipped, you know, we had a trainer that went out there. But one of the things that I immediately saw as a change that I wanted to make happen was that I wanted to, to get buy-in. I wanted to bring a second instructor. I wanted two people to fly to every location. Well, here's the thing about that. If I'm, I'm bringing two people, there's not a direct ROI on that. There's a change to the way that we're doing things. And I started to realize, okay, how can I help drive this, this change home and get buy-in to make this you know, possible? And so I started looking at our pain points and asking my manager, you know, hey, what are some things that I can help you do? Or what are some things you wish that our team was doing better? And, you know, for him, one of the biggest things was, you know, I have to send the team out there for, for almost six straight days of, you know, hotel and room. And, you know, you have to re-image the laptops. And there's a lot of these things that can go wrong. And we have to ship all the things these different ways. And so what I did was I went back to one of my friends that was a, uh, my friend Matt, who was really good on, on the coding side of the house. And I said, hey, Matt, is there a way that I can automate this process of imaging laptops and, and changing how we build these laptops so that we don't have to fly in a day early and we don't have to stay a day late to, to, use the, to do these laptops? Now, that might sound counterproductive because I'm almost, I'm almost pitching automation to eliminate some of the human um, you know, requirements that are needed. But the way that I was thinking of it was, if I can save us money and time and re reduce the risk of this solution that we're sending out there, when I present the idea that says, hey, I want a second person at every one of these courses because I want more hands-on, because the military people that we're training aren't as advanced as maybe we, we thought they were when we're building the course, when I present this use case, They've already seen that what I'm, my goal is what's in the best interest of this team, what's the best interest of this mission, the best interest of this project. And I can tell you, we, we came up with a, a way, it required me to switch 
all of our operating systems off of Windows to where I had to learn uh, Ubuntu, which was a brand new operating system, a Unix operating system. And that caused me weekends, weekends of work, weekends to learn a new program, weekends to learn the way that we implemented them, weekends to build out these, these sheets on, uh, so that I can give it to my team so that they could execute. And I spent all of that time all of it to get to get that buy-in before I went into the room. And the crazy part was we got the buy-in, it started to work, I waited till, you know, I didn't get the buy-in and then immediately hit them with the second person, but I got the buy-in, we finished the next quarter of uh, implementations and I came to, came to the, the management group and said, hey, I really do believe that we can increase our value, we can help the test scores increase, we can also, you know, really turn a lot of our students into our advocates if we give them real actionable insights, and the only way that I believe we can do that is by adding a second person to the course. They immediately were like, wait a second, two people, like how is this gonna work? But the long story short is, I got buy-in the same day. That day of that meeting, they came back to me and said, Brian, pitch us on the idea, tell us which course you wanna send the second person to. And that, that, that success on that teaching that change and getting my leadership buy-in had so little to do with that second person, had so much more to do with the weekends and time that I put in ahead of time, proving that I could do something, but doing something that I knew would make my manager's life easier, that would show business results, and ultimately move us closer to our end goal. Because I was pitching something that was gonna take money off of our overhead and not ultimately directly be linked to ROI. And so I guess that's where I want to take this conversation now. For you, those that are listening, hopefully you guys are excited about change. You're excited about you know, maybe taking a new approach to change that you have. The last part I want to talk about on this episode is what happens when change fails. And how do you reorganize your change, reorganize your, leader, your, your attempt to get leadership buy-in in a way that isn't let's say, insubordinate, that isn't brute force, that isn't presenting them the exact same thing under a new blanket. Just because you call it something different or you pick a different tool does not mean that change or leadership buy-in will go any more successful. If you failed getting leadership buy-in or you failed uh, getting them to, to take, you know, take your concerns um, to heart, the first thing you should do is go back to my step one and kind of build that small rapport. But the, 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 my lesson learned in this is, you know, a what about Bob episode. And yes, I'm a millennial, but I'm a big Bill Murray fan. And I, the movie, what about Bob? He always said baby steps, baby steps to the elevator, baby steps down the street, baby steps. And if you failed on implementing change, one of the things that you have to understand is you are now building uphill to the point where you wanted to maybe, let's say boil the ocean, now you have to figure out how to make a board to surf on one wave. Because now it's about getting baby steps of buy-in to slowly start changing the conversation. The other part of this is you need to actually just go do it yourself. And in today's world, the cloud computing world that we live in today, there is very few technologies, there's very few products that you can't just go and buy yourself and implement. And here's a great example. I had a good friend of mine that was working with a brand and he wanted to get the brand to use drones. Drone, you know, like you've seen drones out there, not the drones that are delivering 
our Amazon packages in the future, but these personal drones. And they wanted to be able to, to uh, take these drones and fly them over the real estate houses that they are selling to give an overall, you know, a, a very big picture of the house, but also to get new content and new buy-in. And unfortunately, this person that I will, I will leave unnamed because I, I didn't ask him to, to reveal his identity on here, you know, he came to me and it's like, Brian, I, I pitched the drone idea, I had pictures, I had use cases, but I believe they said no before I even opened my mouth. And he's like, I really think I, I botched this amazing idea with getting drones to be able to, to add to our real estate business. And he's like, I, I don't even know what to do. And so I asked him, I got to see his data, I got to see, and he had a great presentation, but his manager was new. His manager was all, the manager prior to that person had recently got let go or moved on because of a, a massive failed opportunity that they took on with digital ad space. So this person, when, you, when, I, when I started looking to it and started asking questions, I said, you know, put yourself in your manager's shoes. The person before them were really fired because they took a massive risk and did something kind of crazy, in my opinion, kind of stupid, but kind of crazy, and it failed miserably, so much so that they were no longer needed at the company because they cost the company so much business. So the first thing that manager is doing is like, I'm just gonna execute what I'm told, and I'm not taking big risk because the person before me was just outed. So you have to have that mindset. The second mindset was, they don't know who you are. They don't know that you are, You've innovative. They could think that you were the one that presented the bad idea. They could think that you were the one that's been on that team the whole time with you know bad ideas, bad ideas, and they've never got buy-in, and you're just taking advantage of this new manager. And so I looked at my friend, and I was like, you know what you need to do is you need to buy a drone yourself. You need to go out and fly it over your own house, do an entire video with data, and, and put it on your Facebook, get your friends to comment on it, and then rather than presenting that as a change, give that to your manager and say, hey, I don't know if you've been to my house, or I don't know if you've seen the kind of content we created, but I had some fun on the weekend, and here's some footage that I did. Uh, I really wish one day we could incorporate that in our business plan. Because all of a sudden, rather than forcing change, or even asking for change, you're asking your manager to come along with your excitement and see what you actually already did. Because the, the lesson here, when you're trying to get buy-in on change, if you're actually already able to provide direct results of what you have done, not what other people have done, what you have done, it is the, 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 the path to a yes is so much easier. And that's with a client, that's with a customer, that's with your manager, that's with your CEO, and ultimately that's even with your employees as a manager yourself. If you want your, your employees to start coming in the office uh, earlier in the morning because it's gonna allow them to be more productive, why don't you as a manager come in earlier in the morning for a month straight and start managing your time and putting your time out there so that when you present this change to your employees, because the first thing your employees are gonna say is, oh great, he or she's forcing me to do that. They're not gonna do it. They don't even know what they're talking about. They probably read some stupid Forbes article that said, people are more productive before 5 a.m. and they're just throwing this at us. And your employees are gonna immediately kind of balk at your idea of change. Rather than doing that, why not execute? Why not do beforehand? And I know this sounds crazy and maybe for a lot of people like, yeah, Brian, that's great, but I don't have the money. 
Uh, does a friend have a drone? Can your friends come help you? Can, can you go rent something to make it happen? Um, if you really want change to happen, saying that you can't is not possible because can't and change do not go together. Saying something can't be done means that you are given up and the change won't happen. You know, I talk to my daughters all the time. We never say can't, we say won't. Because I don't want her to say she can't jump in off the side into the pool. I want her to say I won't jump in because she can. And if she wants to embrace it, daddy's going to help her take baby steps of making that happen. But there's a difference between saying I can't do this because versus saying I won't do this. And I think when you're looking at this buy-in on change, and you, if you want to make things happen, if you want to be the change evangelist, if you want this new tool, if you want to switch from Microsoft Docs to Google Docs, if you want to move from Yammer uh, social business tool to Slack business tool, maybe you just want to move your, your manager to the communication, say, manager, I would love it if we could, we could text message each other rather than email, because email seems, things seem to get lost. Even something as small as that change, if you approach it with these steps that I'm talking about, which is you know, winning, winning that conversation by helping that person look good and prove that you are on their team first, or maybe helping them get to a business goal, or third, you know, taking those baby steps and actually doing it yourself, that change is going to happen. And you know, I think there's a lot of people that are, are trying to help people change for change's sake. I think the entire phrase around digital transformation and artificial intelligence, I think people are doing two things in these, in these new worlds. They're either wanting to change because they're scared of, of and they, they, they don't do what's going on today very well, or they're wanting to change because it's a new opportunity that's not very well measured, or last but not least, is they, they, they just want to force change because they feel like if everything's changing, then everyone starts over. And that's the exciting part about change. When you get change to start getting buy-in, and, and, and I told you guys before, to me, getting buy-in from your leadership is, is, not the, is not the end goal. The end goal is implementing change, proving your results, and then continuing that change so that it's sustainable. And you know, Nine Spokes, who's my sponsor here on the show, you know, they have a business insights dashboard. And really, if you want to think about it this way, if you were able to implement change within each one of these tools, within each one of these departments, that dashboard would then be your, you know, your, your insights into what your change is doing and how you can make change happen. Because this is the, the, the thing that I think the majority of change fails today. Even after you get buy-in, even after you start executing, just because you got someone to approve change and start implementing change procedures does not mean everyone on the team is going to get that buy-in. Because remember, we only got manager and leadership buy-in. Part two is, how do we get my teammates, my, my coworkers, my, the people that are going to be affected downstream to also see the light with this change? And then, how do I, once the change is rolling, prove that it's successful because I can tell you this, I made this mistake in my company and I believe it was the end of my ability to drive change. If you drive change and your change is successful, yet you don't tell that story, you aren't the champion of your change results. If you don't say, hey, you know, within our tool, did you realize that we used to get 32% of our employees, and this is real, real data from my change, 32% of your, your employees used to log into our tool every week. I now have 81% of my employees logging into that tool every week because of what we changed. 
The funny thing about that was I knew that data. I didn't make that data apparent. I didn't tell it to my manager, to my CEO. When I got promoted, I didn't make that a known fact. And unfortunately for me, when I went to go do the next change, the, the tool that I had implemented, the, the change and the amazing results that I had helped make happen were so far in the past. And because I didn't do a good job of celebrating the business results, they looked at it and said, hey, Brian, you made change happen. It took a lot of work, but you know, I don't think that's something we want to do. And I had to go back to the drawing board and start winning them over again with baby steps and start caring about what they did. Because once you get that change ball rolling, the only way you're going to be able to continue it is to be your greatest cheerleader, to be your greatest champion, to make sure people are aware of the results of your change, good and bad, as well as helping them understand the overall picture. So hopefully you guys can take some insights from this, uh, this episode on how to get leadership buy-in on change. I'm a big believer in you know, change uh, as a whole. I believe digital is reinventing everything that we do. You know, if you want to look at something that you're doing today, ask yourself, why are we doing it this way? What are the reasons that we're doing it this way? And is there any other way that we could do it? I can almost guarantee there's a lot of things that you're doing in your business, in your company, on your team that you've never questioned. And by simply asking those questions, it might start you down this path to change. Big shout out to my sponsor, Nine Spokes. Make sure you guys check out ninespokes.fomofans.live. Also excited to be on C-Suite TV. This video that I'm recording for this podcast will be up there on C-Suite TV very soon. So make sure to check them out, support them, thank them for syndicating my content. And last but not least, you know, as we move forward in this digital world, there's lots of podcasts that are out there. There's lots of ways for you to consume your content. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that subscribes to the show, that supports the show, uh, like Lauren, the tweet that I read before this episode. Um, you know, everyone that you know celebrates the sponsor, everybody that you know tells me that they listen to the show. Um, it not only keeps me encouraged to keep on doing this every week, but it also allows me to use that buy-in, that success that you guys are seeing, as a vehicle for me to get additional sponsors, and who knows, maybe even a new podcast that I might launch in the very near future. For Brian Fanzo, FOMO fans, I hope I cured your fear of missing out, turning it into a little bit of joy, and I would love to hear your results on leadership buy-in after you implement some of these steps. Until next time, make it a great day, my friends. Yes.